You guys feeling good? It's great to see you all. Amazing to be here together. If uh, tonight's your first time here, just want to welcome you. It's uh, amazing to look out at your beautiful faces today. A great representation that spring is near. The whiteboard's coming out tonight. You know it's go time. If you've been here before, when I'm uh, busting out the whiteboard, it's on. You know what I'm saying? Um, now, we've been, we've been studying First uh, John, and it's been, thanks guys. Todd Noah, give it up for him. Brilliant job. Thank you, Vanna. Now, uh, we've been studying First John. And it's, it's been amazing, like the video said. Now, tonight, if you've uh, looked ahead or you are uh, able to read your subtitle in your scripture, uh, you'll see the word antichrist. And let's just be clear, antichrist, that, that statement brings out the crazies, doesn't it? You know what I mean? Let, let me just tell you something right now. If, if there's a person that you know that all they want to do is talk about revelation and the antichrist, beware, Okay? You need at some point in that conversation to say, no, 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 like, what do you, what do you believe? Like, tell me what you think about Jesus. Well, no, but yeah, but in, in the, like, the beast, you know what I mean? And the mark and the, the, all the 144, you know, if, if one of your friends just wants to talk about revelation, tell them to repent, you know what I'm saying? So, so listen, tonight, tonight we're going to be talking about the Antichrist. Uh, I thought about just showing uh, Left Behind. Like, I don't even have a statement for that, Right? And then I remembered it wasn't even a real movie. You know what I mean? Like, no, I'm just kidding. Like, for some of you guys that like that movie, that's cool. Don't ever tell anybody that, though. You know what I mean? Just don't ever say that, repeat that, ever. Even, I don't care, anytime. Just don't do that. Now, before we get into the scripture tonight, and by the way, uh, you should already be turning in your Bibles, in your pews, to 1 John chapter 2. As you're turning, let me explain something to you. John's big deal in this epistle that he writes to Asia Minor is truth. He wants it. He desires it. He wants everyone that's reading to understand it. Uh, Jason uh, and I were talking the other day about the scripture, and we were talking just about how over and over and over, John is drawing the line in the sand. Light, darkness, truth, liar. If you say that you know him, but you don't obey his commandments, you are, I mean, over and over and over, he's just drawing the line in the sand to John Truth, getting at the truth is absolutely key. So I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about human beings, you and I. Human beings for thousands of years have been trying to answer a few questions. I believe that three of those top questions are, number one, what is my purpose? Human beings throughout all of time, to some extent, have been trying to answer that question. What is my purpose? Now, that question implies others. Is there a God? Is there a, such a thing as religion? That all falls underneath under what is my purpose. Now, the second question that humans have been wrestling with for a long, long time is what happens to me after I die? I was trying to trick you there. What happens to me after I death? You know, that would have... Right? What happens to us after we die? That's a huge question that people have been trying to answer for all of time. Now the third question is a very poignant question. And by the way, we say all the time here at Matthias that everyone everywhere is looking for two things. Love and truth in that order. And those two things are found in these three questions. The third question is who loves me? Human beings have spent a tremendous amount of time trying to answer those three questions. Religions have been started trying to answer those questions. 
sects of people have been formed trying to answer those questions. Cults, we've seen in the news, have gathered trying to answer those questions. To represent all of the possible answers to these questions, I'm going to simply draw a line. Now imagine this line being very, very long. And imagine that along this line there are little benchmarks that begin and end along this line, representing all of the possible answers that human beings have come up with to those three questions. Tonight, this beautiful passage is about John getting to the truth about how you and I can understand those three questions through the realm of the gospel. Second, or first John, are you guys there? Say, I'm there. Wonderful. Verse 18. Children, uh, which you'll remember, we saw at the beginning of chapter 2, right? We also saw it later on in chapter 2. It's a term that means like affection. He's writing to a group of people, to the church. He's a grandpa, and he loves them, and so he calls them children. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come, therefore we know that it is the last hour. My first question of this passage is what does he mean by last hour? At first glance, you're like, uh, bro, you can't tell your time. You know what I'm saying? Like, several hours have passed between when you wrote this and where we are now. So, what does he mean by last hour? Now, you remember, we've talked about before, that there are two specific waiting room periods in the Scripture. The first waiting room period is all of the people that were waiting on the Messiah to come. They're waiting, they're waiting, they're, like, picture them, you know, like sitting in a waiting room, looking at the mag. Everyone is waiting for the Messiah to come. Then Jesus comes, lives a perfect life, dies and raises again, and then you and I are now in the same waiting room period as John was when he wrote. We are waiting on the Messiah to come back. Anyone excited for that day a little bit? All right, all five of us. Can't wait. It's going to be awesome, right? Now, you and I are in that last hour of waiting. The question is whether or not we're in the third minute or the 58th minute. See what I'm saying? The question is not whether or not it's the last hour. It is. The question is whether we're at the third minute or the 58th minute. And so over and over and over, Scripture says things like, listen, listen, uh, be ready so that when the master goes to the wedding banquet, have all of the preparations ready so when the master comes back and you hear the knock at the door, you're ready to open. Jesus shared that parable. You remember? All this rhetoric of the, we don't know the, the day or the time. And so we must be ready. And so John begins this whole contention about the Antichrist with, look, the last hour has come. Now why would he do that? He would do that because Antichrist's being around should not be a surprise to anyone. Here's why. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 24, in response to the disciples' question, hey, uh, so how are we to know that, that the, like, how are we to know that, that you're going to be, like, how are we to know it's the last age? How are we supposed to know this? And Jesus says, many are going to come, and they're going to say, I am the Christ. 
and they're going to try to lead you astray. And he says, do not be led astray. Here's what I love. The Bible, my friends, is not a book that's written in response to man's chaotic lives. See what I'm saying? Nothing is surprising. You and I, Christians, who should know our scripture, should be surprised about very little when it happens. Are you with me? Scripture, if we really knew our word, if we really opened it and understand and understood things like suffering and God's plan and desire and his need for glory, if we grasped those concepts, then when different things began to happen in our life, we would not be surprised. John is saying, look, yeah, it's a little bit chaotic right now, Asia Minor. There's a whole bunch of people saying, hey, I'm the Christ. Hey, I'm the Christ. Hey, I'm the Christ. And what John is saying is, do not be surprised. Do you remember Jesus? He said this would happen. We're in the last hour, we're waiting, and people are trying to deter the gospel. And so listen, church, there, I can give you a million reasons on why you and I should read the word of God, why we should crave to read it, why we should yearn to read it. But can we just agree that one of the greatest blessings when you learn the word is that you understand God and his desire and plan so much better. There is still so much mystery, and that's part of the beauty. But when we dig into the word, my friends, we see the Bible not as some reaction to man's chaos, but God's plan of redemption through a hero named Jesus. Verse 19 says this. They went out from us. Well, who? The Antichrist. Let's clarify that for, for a moment, right? Because some of you, again, you hear the word Antichrist and, and all, all kinds. I would love to be in your mind right now, right? Like, what are you picturing, you know? Like, a lot of people have said a lot of different people are antichrist. Can we agree, right? I mean, I've heard anywhere from Oprah to, you know, Adam Lambert to all kinds of different people. Being American Idol, anyone? No? Okay, yeah? I've heard all kinds of people saying that all kinds of people are antichrist. Well, what is he talking about here? Did you notice he adds an S to the end of antichrist in verse 18? So clearly he's not talking about the being of the Antichrist. Clearly he's talking about individuals who are anti-Christ, who are against Jesus, who are not with Christ. Are, 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 we, are we together? So when he says they, they went out from us, that's what he's talking about. They went out from us, verse 19, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all not of us. Is anyone else confused? It's like with us, of us, through us. What are you talking about, right? Now look at this. And I'm, I like circles tonight, so forgive me, okay? Here's kind of what, what, I, what I picture, um, right? It's like there is this group of people, uh, and, and they say they went out from us, so they're like a part of this community, but, but they were like their own deal, they were like their own sect. And then eventually time revealed so much, and so they went out from us eventually. They were not of us, but they went out from us. Now, 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 what does this look like? You have, if you were unaware, four pastor elders at this church. Jason, myself, Jeff, and Matt. One of our greatest roles biblically to lead and shepherd this church is to protect 
this flock from bad teaching, false doctrine, and wolves, Scripture talks about. Because a wolf comes in and preys on the sheep. If you know anything about sheep, all right, Scripture says we're all sheep and we've all gone astray. But if you know anything about the sheep, they're dumb. You know what I'm saying? And, and, it's, and it's really easy to prey upon them. Now, one of our roles as pastors of this church is to protect this body from anyone who would come and try to deter or deframe the gospel and create this separatist movement that would eventually, time would reveal that they were not of us. Listen, just because you go to church doesn't mean you're in the church. This is a struggle for many people because as much as we say the church is not a building, somehow we still believe it. Uh, just because you're here in this room doesn't mean you're of us. Let me tell you something. Uh, that, that may sound harsh to you, but, but it should, okay? Because if, if we're just going to blanket truth and make it inclusive, then friends, we are doing a, dis a disjustice to the gospel. Just because you're here doesn't mean you're of us, okay? Now, to be of us then... What does that mean? What does it mean to be of us? Um, how many of you guys were here Easter Sunday? Here Easter Sunday. Perfect. Where were the rest of you? What were you doing, you know? Sleeping in? Come on now. On Easter Sunday, you saw all of these different churches gather. Here's what's happening. When you gather with people that you have never even met, right? Because, I mean, let's be honest. Like Jason, like we, we don't know hardly any of the risen Lord people. We know they're pastors. They're cool. We've met some of the people. We don't know them. Did you guys feel the unity that was here on Sunday? Did you feel that? Did you sense that? What is that? Like, like is it somehow that we just instantly like speak the same language? Is it that we dress alike? Certainly not. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? Is it that we look alike? No. Is it that we talk the same? No. It is that we have been sealed with the same spirit that then instantly, like we've talked about before, connects you and I in a way that we cannot even explain. The beauty of the of us as a church is that there is this bond and connection centered at the gospel of Christ that unifies us, making Sunday beautiful, making when you're at the coffee shop and you're sitting there and you're typing away, doing your homework, and all of a sudden Random McGee comes up and you guys spark a conversation and within five minutes you realize that you're both believers. Isn't there something cool about that? Why is it? Because then you instantly know to give each other the high five? No, 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 no. The beauty of it is that in that moment you feel connected, don't you? Haven't you ever felt that? I mean, you're, you'll be at a sporting event, at a random baseball game, and all of a sudden, you, you come out of, of getting the popcorn, you know, or the bratwurst. Anyone like stadium bratwurst? Praise God for those, right? Yeah. And, and you come out, and all of a sudden, you get in a conversation. There is something so beautiful about those moments. Why? Because we're connected, we're joined together. So let me say this, too. One of the blessings about church membership I say that word and some of you are like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Membership, yeah, I got a lot of baggage when it comes to membership. Yeah, me too. Join the club. That's why we're about, over and over, we say, restoring integrity to the bride of Christ. We're a part of the greater movement that's doing that. One of the areas that we're restoring is what membership looks like. For those of you guys that have not been through the Matthias Value Study, what you'll learn 
is that if you desire to become a member of this church, you sign a covenant. You're like, whoa, so do I, do I, is it like blood? And like, what, like, what does that entail? No, no, no. It just says that, look, I'm going to take the scriptures and I'm going to apply it with the body of people and we're going to go for it together. One of the greatest blessings of church membership is that you and I know who is of us. It is dangerous when people start saying they're of us, but when you ask them about where they're at with Jesus, no. It's those individuals in a church community that have divisive agendas. See what I'm saying? Like, we want people that don't believe in Jesus here. Don't, Don't misunderstand. Are you guys with me? But it's when those agendas turn to, I want to form a separatist group to openly speak against Christ, that those individuals become wolves. And know this, and you can pray for this, that me, Jason, Jeff, and Matt will continue to protect this body from those individuals. And I'll go ahead and tell you, like, we've had to have hard, hard conversations with some individuals before. But friends, that's what it looks like to be of us. Now, um, I want you guys to look at verse 20. This is an amazing verse. Simply amazing. But you, uh, no, 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 hold on a second. Uh, do you guys remember a few weeks ago? When he was like, I write to you, dear children. I write to you, young men. I write to you, fathers. Do you remember that? The whole purpose of those passages was to what? Was to pause and to affirm the church. Right? He's like, okay, a lot of this has been hard teaching. Let me pause here. Let me affirm you. This verse is massive affirmation. Look at this, verse 20. But you have been, what's the word? Anointed by the Holy One, and you all have Knowledge. Okay. Anointed. What does this mean? Right? Instantly in your mind, you're like, anointed. This is kind of, sometimes it's a charismatic. Like, what does this mean? Listen to this. Genesis chapter 28. You guys remember Genesis? For those 40 of you that were here when we were going through Genesis, it was amazing. In Genesis chapter 28, we had Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob, in Genesis 28, had a little dream as he was laying on a what? Awesome, laying on a rock, and he wakes up, and you guys remember what he does? What does he do? Awesome, he pours oil on the rock, and then later, three chapters later, in chapter 31, God calls it a pillar, because it was set aside, it was consecrated. That's the first anointing we see in all of scriptures, but probably some of the most memorable is when Samuel anoints Saul and David as what? As kings. Now when he anoints them with oil, the imagery is that they are then consecrated, set apart for the work of God. And that that anointing is the thing that basically ceremonially takes them and places them into the service of God. So look at verse 20 again. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have all knowledge. So all of this has happened to who? To you. The church. The Christians in Asia Minor. They have been anointed by the Holy One who is Christ, who was anointed himself. Well, where does Scripture talk about that? Acts chapter 10 Peter tells us 
that in that moment, in a sermon, in a message, Peter tells us that Jesus was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and all power. And then the Holy One, Christ, anoints you and me with the Holy Spirit. Listen, instantly setting you and I apart for the work of the gospel. You see what he's saying? There's a lot of antichrists that have come in, but you, you've been set apart. You've been consecrated. Your life has been taken and thrust to the side for the purpose and the use of the gospel. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. What does the end of the verse say? And all of you have knowledge. Uh, The first time I read that, just because I was reading quickly, it was like, and you have all knowledge. Which reads completely differently, right? No. But, But you all have knowledge. Well, the question is, what knowledge? Does that instantly make us all, you know, Phenomenal at mathematica, you know what I mean? Or is that, is that the Spanish word for that? I tried. Try to combine two. Ju- um, the knowledge that the Holy Spirit anoints you with, listen to this, is simply the knowledge of Christ. The knowledge of the gospel. He anoints you with that. He blesses you with that. He fills your heart with the knowledge of who Jesus is. Is anybody just, God, thank you? God, thanks for that knowledge. Because without that knowledge, I would have no hope. I'd have no life. I'd have no purpose. God, thanks for that knowledge. And it's not just the knowledge, but he has taken you and set you apart. And we'll talk about what that means here in one minute. Verse 21. I write to you, Not because you do not know the truth, but because what? But because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Let me show you. Look at this. Look at this. Let me show you what he's saying here. You have this entire line. All these answers that human beings have been trying to come up with to answer those questions. And here's what John writes. You, church, you know the truth. Now, this timeline isn't a timeline in chronological order. It's a representation of all of the answers possible. And what John says is you know the truth. Can I show you what I think about when I look at this? Let me step back from it. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, enter through the what? The narrow gate. For wide is the path that leads to destruction, and what? And many will enter through it. Does anyone see the narrow gate here? Does anyone see it? All of the possible answers, and in this one stretch, is the gospel. And the scripture says, there is no lie in it. Isn't that amazing? You've been anointed with knowledge about who Christ is, and the best part, There's no lie when talking about the gospel. There's no lie in the biblical truth of what the gospel is. So can I ask you guys a question now, all of you? What do you do with that? What do you do with that? You, 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 have been anointed by the Holy One to have the knowledge of the truth of the gospel. What do you do with that? Maybe that's what worship looks like. 
Maybe that's what we do with that. Is finally we sit back and we become grateful. Christians grateful, I know, kind of a stretch, isn't it? Listen, why do we take the gospel for granted so much, huh? We, we just need like some anvil, every anvil, what's the cartoon, big hammer? Noah, anvil, what's the Greek of that? Okay. We just, we need something every morning that's just shoving our head, waking us up and saying, remember Christ. Because when our entire life is, oh God, thank you for the gospel, then you understand what happens? We truly understand worship, not just singing, no, 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 no. Our life is in response to how he is initiated. And how is he initiated? He's blessed you with the truth of the gospel. So what do we do? Do we just continue to sit around? No, all of a sudden Christians become grateful. All of a sudden the things that constantly is on our lips is, oh God, thank you because without you I'm absolutely nothing and there's a lot of possibilities that I could believe in and a lot of junk, but you have blessed me with the truth. What does it take for Christians to stop taking the truth for granted? In fact, so much so that we would even talk about it some, right? Look at this, he goes on. In this verse, I love this. 22, 22. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? Now, pause, pause, pause. Who is the liar but he who denies? So if, if he has blessed us with the truth, then what does that mean that we have? Uh, let me explain it this way. Have any of you guys heard of mad cow disease? Any of you guys, mad cow disease. Horrible disease. I don't know much about it. There were some naughty cows over somewhere. The disease came over and infected people and cows. And I don't even know much about it. But listen, here's what I know. Here's what I know. Check this out. Just because somebody, can people get mad cow disease? Noah? Okay. So, just because you have mad cow disease, let's say I have it, okay? Just because you have mad cow disease doesn't make me a mad cow. Are you with me? Amen? It makes me, stay with me, a carrier of the mad cow disease. Have any of you guys seen I Am Legend? Yeah, same principle. Anything where there's a big disease that takes over everyone, they don't become the disease. They're just a carrier of the disease. So listen. When the Holy One anoints you with the truth of the gospel, listen to this, you don't become the truth. You become a carrier of the truth. You're not the truth in and of yourself. It's, it's like all of a sudden your life is not the truth. No, no, no. The truth has taken root in you. You have been anointed with the truth and have become a carrier of the truth. And I say carrier because the call of life and in mine is to be a messenger of the truth. That's when we have become grateful and believe that we have not uh, given an entire life to a lie, but the truth is when we have become a messenger to it. So look at this. He says this in verse 22. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? So if the truth is Jesus is the Christ, then look at this. Lie, 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 lie. Now, when I look at this, I think about the verse that I've already quoted. Um, if you say that you know him, but you don't keep 
his commandments. You're a what? You're a liar. So all of us would agree that hypocrisy is essentially lying. You're saying one thing and you're doing another, right? Now look at this. Totally different view of what it means to be a liar. It's not just a hypocritical life. If you believe anything but Jesus, you are a liar. That's when the world calls us bigots. That's when the world calls us intolerant. That's when the world says, you Christians think that you have the truth and that you're the only ones. And that's when our response must be in love. Jesus said, I the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to the Father but what? But through him. Look, we should not be surprised that the world will call us intolerant. We should not be surprised that we may have to suffer We should not be surprised that if God calls us to take a stand for the gospel, that people will call us all sorts of things. And it better not be Christian because you're not sharing the truth in love. Are you with me? I'm not talking about taking a baseball bat and saying Jesus is the only way. I'm talking about infecting a community with the love of the gospel so that we can share the love of Jesus. Are you with me? That is what it is. We then have that truth. And scripture says there is no lie in it. But anyone who doesn't believe, who denies it, that individual is a liar. Now the verse goes on to say, this is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the what? Can I, can I share something with you guys? Look at this. After Christ came, after he lived, died, Raised again. Do you, under, do you guys understand this? Look at this. Anyone who said, I don't believe in Jesus, but I believe in God, do you understand that didn't work? Do you understand that you cannot call God your Father if you don't call Jesus the Savior? If you call Jesus the Savior, then you can call God the Father. And there's a lot of world religions that struggle with that. Now, let, let me, let's talk about world religions for a moment, shall we? <laughs> the problem is many of us want to talk morality with those who believe things differently. That's our first question. So, like, how do you guys live? If you want to battle Mormons, don't talk about morality. And here's what I mean. And, and I don't say battle in like a throw-down fist fight. I'm just saying if you talk God and the gospel with a Mormon and you want to start with a family, they will show you up, Christian. In fact, a ton of world religions will show you up, Christian, when it comes to morality. So why are we wasting our time talking with those who don't believe Christ with anything else except Christ? Instead, it should be, okay, let's have a conversation. This will be fun. Tell me what you believe about Jesus. Because what I believe the scripture says is, is is he central to everything else? In fact, Scripture even says, if you like, claim that you know God, but you don't know Jesus, no, 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 it doesn't work. It doesn't happen. What if with those who believed things differently in love, we didn't start with morality or, oh, so what kind of songs do you guys sing? Right? What do you guys wear to church? Is it, you know, more casual, more formal? 
Oh, cool. Thought about your religion that way. We must start with the crux, and the crux is Christ. There's nothing else that matters. Are you guys with me? Because when you start with Christ and Christology, or in other words, your view of Jesus is central, then everything else comes after that. That's why to John, doctrine and truth was so critical. If these individuals in Asia Minor screw up Jesus, they screw up everything. That's the power of the Antichrist. Them and their little sects taking people away and deterring them from the gospel of Jesus. There is nothing more dangerous. Matthias's lot, let it not be so here. If there are individuals that come in our midst, that begin a divisive, separatist attack that is anti-gospel, may we raise up and say, no, 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 here we are preaching Christ and Christ crucified. Now he says the anecdote to all of this in verse 23. No one who denies the Son has the Father, and whoever, what? Confesses the Son has the Father also. So I sit back from this, and I'm like, so what do we do? What do we do with this? If Jesus is central, what do we do with this? Here's what we do with it. When I look at whoever confesses the Son has the Father also, here's what it tells me. Hey, Christian, we better know our Jesus. I talk about taking things for granted. There is almost no thing that I see the church taking for granted more than their knowledge of Jesus. So who is Jesus? Yeah, crucified, died, lived the perfect life. Well, where does it say that in Scripture? You're like, where is the end of Matthew? 27? And, you know, you kind of give yourself a couple options there, you know? Christians, we must know our Jesus. We must know the scripture, the passages, where the, where the word talks about that he's an atoning sacrifice, where the word talks about it, its importance that he was the propitiation for our sins, where the word talks about that he was uh, the Passover lamb, all of these things we must know. Do you know him? Listen, listen, listen. If Jesus is central, okay, and we're all to say, amen, preacher, yeah, Jesus then what can you tell me about him from the word? I don't want to hear your thoughts. I don't want to hear your journal ramblings. I want to hear you preach the word of God. Confess the son through the word of God. If he has anointed us by the Holy One with the truth, then listen, church, we better know our Jesus. Are you guys with me? So listen, listen, listen. Uh, this week, homework assignment. Yeah, busted out the whiteboard feeling all teacherish. You know what I mean? Listen. Here's what I'm challenging you guys to do. We have, we've never done this. I don't think, maybe, once or twice. Here's what I'm challenging you guys to do. I want you to leave tonight, and I want you to go home, and I want you to get on the phone and get on Facebook. What if Facebook could be used for the gospel? Mm, what a concept, you know? And you started Twittering or tweeting, whatever, right? Here's what I want you to do. You, Christian, I want you to come up with every possible question that you think you should be able to answer when it comes to Christ. I just want you to take out a piece of paper and your journal, and I just want you to write out every possible question. I started coming up with them yesterday. Right now I'm up to 53. Okay? I'm not saying you'll be up to 53 before you go to bed, but why not? Pull a late-nighter. You know what I'm saying? Get some Starbucks from Jeremy. Hook it up, right? 
Write every single one of those down. Now, here's what we're going to do. On Sunday, when you come to Lot Family, I, I, I want your Lot Family leader to guide a discussion about all of those questions. What do we need to know about Jesus? And where is it found in Scripture? And so I want you to write all those out, and then I want you to, to open your Bible, mind you, and to begin finding the answers in the Scripture for those questions. At first, there's no wrong questions. Come Sunday, let's have a dialogue as a church community about what we need to know about Jesus. Let's get serious about knowing the one that we say is the crux of everything. Are you with me? So, so what does it look like for that to be the conversation between you and your brothers at work tomorrow? What does it look like for this to be the conversation tonight when we go to Applebee's and we hang out? What does it look like for this to be the thing that you and your accountability partner focus on? What do I need to know about Christ? Because if I'm going to battle the Antichrist and if everything else is a lie, then I better know the truth. And not just being able to recite it like my mama taught me to, but recite it from the word of God. Are you with me? And here's what happens. Here's the benefit. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father. People will start asking, what's my purpose? Because people ask that. That's why Purpose Driven Life sold a gabillion copies. Right? Because people are asking, what's my purpose? Guess what you get to share? From the scripture and your testimony, you get to tell people, about how their purpose is no purpose without Jesus. And, and you don't have to muster and mutter around words like the Pharisees always did. They mutter, mutter, mutter everywhere. You get to confidently, because you're anointed, proclaim the truth of Christ. Well, what's my purpose? Well, let me tell you what I believe. And here's how that purpose has been fleshed out. And here's the blessing of it. And then some people will say, um, well, what, what happens to me after death? Uh, well, let, let's talk about that. Like, I'm, I'll tell you right now, you don't become a frog. You know what I'm saying? And, and you get to walk them through how through Jesus' sacrifice and sacrifice alone, they have eternal life. Jesus, listen, isn't some free ticket out of hell card but through the word of God, you learn to preach Christ crucified and the power of it. And then, listen to this, this is my favorite. Then people ask, who loves me? The suicide rate is drastically high in America. Those who are struggling with depression is huge in this culture. Why? Because people sit in their rooms at night and they ask themselves, who loves me? And they come up with nobody. What if we were able, finally, to become carriers of the truth of God and say, look, let me tell you something about love. You will not know love until you know God because God is love. And we get to walk through the process of what it means to know God and how God initiates, and then we pray, God, would you save them? Listen, just because we're messengers doesn't mean we're saviors. So don't hear this tonight and be like, all right, so here's my plan. I'm going to come up with these list of questions, and I'm going to answer them with the word, and then I'm going to show up at Crooked Tree, and I'm just going to start blasting people. Being anointed with the Spirit of God gives you discernment. Being anointed with the Spirit of God, Scripture says, guides you into all what? Truth. So let's claim victory in the Spirit of God. Let's become messengers 
of the gospel, confessing the Son. And church, what will happen for His glory and His glory alone is that by us finally opening our word and learning about Jesus from the scripture, that baptismal for His glory and namesake alone will be full of people who are saying, I now find my purpose in Jesus. I now know and can be assured that after death I will worship him forever. I'm not going to go to heaven and play golf. I'm going to lay at his feet at his throne and worship him. And then we'll be able to say, well, who loves me? I'll tell you who loves me. Jesus does. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of Christ-centered theology. May we, at this church, know our Jesus. So go home tonight, begin to work, and show up Sunday ready to throw down. Bible in hand, opinion out, and the scripture laying the foundation. You guys ready for this? Let's pray for courage right now, huh? Let's pray for strength. Let's do that. Come on. God, I am so excited, Father, about the potential of an entire church community getting into your word. And God, I pray right now that you would teach us about your son, Jesus. I pray, God, that the scriptures will just be on our lips and that you will guide our confession of your son. God, I pray that our conversations with each other will be wholeheartedly about who you are and what you're doing and that our response to that should just be a life of gratitude. God, I pray that if there's anyone here tonight who does not believe in you, that you would begin a great work in their heart, showing them that their purpose is no purpose without you. God, would you open their heart and open their mind tonight, Father. And now, Lord Jesus, as we stand and as we worship you and respond to you, would you meet us here? Would you remind us of all the things that you're doing right now in our existence? God, would you raise us up as carriers of your great truth? In your awesome name. Hey, let's stand together. Come on, let's stand together. Let's stand together. As we worship and respond tonight, may the gospel cause a joy and a stirring that would lead us to repentance and that would call our lives to fall at the foot of the cross in the name of the Father, and in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen.